0: Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode... I literally kind of dreamt the whole race. Went through all the emotions of kind of getting to the finish, cross the finish line. I said to my mate, I was running a chap called Paul T the next day, I said, Paul, I don't need to do the race now. I know where it feels like. I've had all the emotions of winning it. It was brilliant. <laughs> it was like, I, I don't even have to run that stupid distance. Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your
1: host, Jake Lowe. <laughs> Come in, come in, let's get ready. The show is about to start. Find a seat, relax, put your feet up, phone on silent. This is Running with Jake the Podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. We know that we all want to improve our running. We want to get ourselves feeling better, don't we? We Look, we just use running as a vehicle, man. That's all it is. It's just a vehicle to feel good. But we're going to try and help with that today on the show. Uh, Talking of which, we will be catching up with Robbie Britton. Love this guy. Cool dude. He's been on a training camp recently. He is the training manager for Hour 7, an endurance team, a brand new ultra endurance team. So he's been... I mean, he's out in Italy anyway, so he's loving it in the mountains. And I've seen his posts on social media that they've all been on this amazing training camp in, like, the Italian Alps. So definitely want to catch up with him. You need to stick around to listen to that chat. Going to be great. Going to fire you up. It's going to
2: be, and I think this. I can, I can speak for probably 95% of the people listening now. As you'll listen to him, you'll go, yeah, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. But hell, I'm so jealous of his situation right now. You know, why does he get to do that? That's not fair. So It's pretty
1: cool, isn't it? Yeah. But in the pre show chat that we had, the very brief pre show chat, we did say, look, neither of us are allowed to be a bit Mardy when we have Robbie on. I know he's been on a few times now. He feels like a bit of a mate. You know, it's cool. We don't need to be super professional. We can be like, hey what, mate, how's it going? What's happening in Italy? <laughs> but we're not allowed to be Mardy
2: and grumpy. You know, this is about positivity, this show, even if he is in the Alps and we're not. Mm, it's not fair. It's not fair. But then, you know, in, in reality, I do realise that if you put me in the Alps, I'm just not going to fit in. So it's fine. I don't mind him being in the Alps. And, I, you know, I'm much happier just sat here in derby in a room on my own because this is how i fit in this is fine i'm fine with this i don't upset anybody like this do you know where i'm going to be sat a little bit later on today oh
1: tell me i'm not happy about this at all in fact this is probably one of the few times that we stand a good chance of the temperature being warmer here in the uk than it Potentially will be in the Italian Alps. I don't know. We're having another mini heat wave, aren't we? This is kind of the start of it. And stupidly, I have a haircut later on. And, and you know, oh, I'm no. a bit fidgety with haircuts anyway. Oh, man, like mm. dead time. But you know where I'm going with this? The PVC chairs, the PVC cloak, the whole thing. Like, I'm going to sweat. It's just, oh, it's a nightmare. And I, I always feel quite embarrassed as well. Genuinely. I re- I don't know if anybody can relate to this, but I really think about what I'm going to wear. when, For two reasons. What I'm going to wear when I go for a haircut. The first reason is is because I don't. I know I'm going to sweat. I know it's awful, but I am going to sweat. So I don't want to kind of ruin any nice clothes. I don't want to put like super clean clothes on because I'm just going to get sweaty. Secondly, when I get up from said haircut, obviously the whole kind of sweaty back thing, I, I don't want to wear grey. So I make sure I avoid grey. I've made that
2: mistake a few times. It's stressful going for a haircut these days, especially in a mini heat wave. It is. And then... And then you've got you've got hair in your in your in your jumper or your shirt or whatever you're wearing, and it, it doesn't. You have to use one of those sticky things to get the hair out. Or what doesn't come out in the wash? My hair doesn't come out in the wash, but I do have to question where you're having your hair cut because. Uh, you say that they're PVC chairs and they're PVC things that they put over you. And what is it? Is this some, some kind of a weird dungeon? Because mine mine isn't. They're just like, it's, it's not PVC, man. I'm not sure. There's no one in PVC dressed you know dressed up, wandering around with chains around their necks or anything where I have my hair cut. I don't know. Maybe it's a Winchester thing. I mean, I I, <laughs> I thought it was really civilised down here. But I've
1: been for a few haircuts now. And they do keep offering me a mask to wear. It's a bit weird. I don't get it. I've got a sweaty back and a sweaty face. Not a pleasurable experience at all. Sod it. I might just grow my hair. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. Robbie, my friend. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing? And importantly, have you stopped sweating yet from your run? Has your face stopped sweating? You look alright on the camera.
0: Yeah, no, thankfully it stopped stopped sweating. It was like a a leaky tap because you want those uh, sweating adaptations. So I was quite happy that I was sweating. But it's always awkward when a video calls on. I suppose, yeah. But we're all sweaty guys together, which
2: is nice. Obviously, we've had you on before and I feel like we're mates now. And as such, it turns out that Jake put the call back a few minutes later. And, and Jake, what excuse did you use um, when you put the, the call back? Well, look, this is it's not, it's, I, was, I was just caught in a
1: situation <laughs> here, OK? We, 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 we were due to obviously have a chat with your good self, Robbie, at 10am our time, UK time. We've got the whole Italy, UK thing. And I just asked if it was OK if we push it back by 15 minutes. And I did blame you, Pete. I'll be honest. I did blame I you. I did say, it's Pete. He's got a thing. He's got a, It's Pete's fault. He's not available. Is it all right? But but Robbie was cool with it because he was still sweating from his
2: run. So he's cool with it. The reality is that Jake wanted to eat. I mean, you just just wants to eat, right? Can we talk about this in the show debrief?
0: This is what you get, Jake, for telling porkies, right? <laughs> always be honest. That's a life lesson number you one in this call. Always be honest. I was telling you about my leaky face... If you were on the toilet and you just had to stay on there a little bit longer, that's totally fine with me. Just let it's us know. Fine. It's fine, you see. We're all friends together. That's I the need point. to have a word with myself because normally I
1: am a heart-on-the-sleep guy <laughs> I'll be very honest and things, but I, I just found myself, I think I was just caught in a moment there and I did have to eat and I'm running later with a club and it's like, oh, I've got to get the food right. That must be a massive thing for you. Come on, you must be able to relate to that, the whole fueling thing. Do you, do you get paranoid about food? Do you have like a bit of a system or are you just kind of more carefree?
0: But ironically, like. I've done the the, the, the IOC sports nutrition diploma which took me a couple of years. I, I consider myself reasonably well-versed in the terms of nutrition. And I don't I don't worry about it too much in terms of the timing like if I'm running a bit late or works a bit busy. I'll make sure I've got the the energy I need for the sessions I've got. Like the night before a long run, I'll make sure my dinner's like a, it's a decent amount of carbs and stuff. Um, but on the flip side I'm an ultra runner. So if I have to eat in the first 10 minutes of my run like and it's a it's a some kind of egg sandwich, or saying like, I can do that. So I've kind of got, probably got the best of both worlds there. I know what I should be eating, uh, when I should be eating it. Like in terms of like having a caffeine supplement before a hard session, all that stuff. I know that the amounts, the timings, all this kind of stuff. But also as an ultra runner. If I'm running out the door and I'm eating a baguette, that's not the end of the world. Yeah,
1: I guess it's a funny one, isn't it, with what you guys do? Obviously, I want to chat about the training camp you've recently been on. you know, a mix of 100K and 24 hour events that you're looking at targeting. This is just crazy stuff. Awesome. But you, you need, like, I guess a mix of, like, foods as well, like, real foods. I mean, you can't, surely, you can't survive just on the, like, the likes of gels and stuff. I mean, do you, are you more of a savoury guy or a sweet guy or because of your training and racing and the, the endurance stuff, do you have? Do you find that that affects what you eat in kind of normal life in terms of, you know, a Saturday night, you want to enjoy yourself. Are you a dessert guy? You're a savoury
0: guy. What, what What's kind of your preference? I, I've got a very much a sweet tooth. Uh, I do have a fair amount of desserts. Um, what was good about the the hour seven training camp and it was yeah as you say we had a mix of people training for the hundred k world champs the twenty five Europeans and some trail runners training for different races in the in the UK and abroad and um, it was one that there was obviously quite a clear need for nutrition um, they were all training pretty hard when you train at altitude your, your appetite can go down and your your actual need for energy can go up because you're training harder uh, than you usually would for the same perceived effort um and actually it was one thing that we often forget about was in a training camp environment it's quite a social moment when you're when you're eating so it was quite nice to see uh like the athletes that were often cooking together um we had apartments that they were sharing um and and the chap's apartment it was a like a slightly bigger one everyone was all the athletes are in there together sharing their kind of food sharing the kind of responsibility of cooking and it it just showed that yeah what it's much more important than just what you eat, when you eat, but also like it can be quite a nice way to bond as a team. So it's it's an important part of it, I think.
1: I really like that. It makes total sense as well. I mean, especially over in Italy as, as you know I, I know Italy pretty well with my girlfriend being from there and, and it's such a social place anyway as well you know so it kind of lends itself really well to that but the fact that all your athletes and some of them we've, we've had on the show as you know been great to catch up with them they're just they're buzzing about the whole thing about being part of a team and it must be really nice for you as team manager to see that bond being built because I guess it's not and correct me if I'm wrong here but it's not just about that, that innate ability that an individual has okay they've got the potential here great but actually can we shape them can we help them to grow do they fit within the team you know what do they bring all that sort of stuff must be you must must make you pretty proud i've seen
0: some of the videos obviously on the website on the hour seven website so with the training camp in mind obviously we had the idea being that we help them with their with their with their performance going forward right you want to help everyone get better but also yeah that team element was a huge part of it it's quite a solitary sport ultra running uh, in general you spend a lot of time on your own and And I've just been on a call a couple of nights ago with the 24-hour team going out to Verona in September. And the team element really brings an extra dimension to it, especially psychologically. Because you can find that in the low moments of a race, if you're just doing it for yourself... um, it's hard to keep pushing. Whereas if you have other reasons, a greater purpose, uh, like such as a team, such as the, in the 24 hours, you're all scoring together. With Team Hour 7, and it's, it's hopefully that we see come through in some of the videos and footage that come out of the of the training camp. But on the ground for us as as a, as a team manager, it was very clear to see there was a, a real kind of team ethic. Uh, every time someone else was doing a session, the others were there to help. Uh, we had like um, a group doing road intervals one day and the other, the, the trial athletes were kind of cheering them on beforehand when they're doing the trial athletes we had doing a, a kind of structured hill session, um, Ollie Garrod and Carr were out on the hill cheering them on and kind of making sure that, yeah, they were, they were running up and down the hill, but they were handed out the bottles and stuff and it was kind of little bits like that that it's a very small, um, gesture, but it can have a huge impact on, on how a run goes, but also how, The athlete kind of feels that they're they're part of something a little bit bigger than themselves. Greater purpose.
1: I really love that. Not always so easy to find or I guess be aware of, but it can really, really help, can't it? Like you say, when the going gets tough, particularly in the sorts of events you guys do and and are working towards, massively beneficial to just think about that kind of greater purpose, being part of a team. It's funny, you know, because listening to you talk about this on a much different level, but a a personal level, Robbie, I've recently joined the the running club here, the local running club in Winchester. Not much of a running club guy, never really been part of one, only for a, a few sessions. And then we moved, when we moved from Bristol and stuff. But it already just, I've only been to like two sessions and I joined the guys for a long run. Only just two guys on a, on a, on a Sunday, a Sunday just gone. I hadn't met them before. They hadn't been part of the the sessions I went to, but I just felt part of something. It was funny. And also not leading. Like I felt like a bit of a passenger. I could go along for the ride and enjoy it. I wasn't leading the trail run and things like that. It's, I just felt like I was part of something and it wasn't just about me. And that's just, you know, three of us running out on the trails in a, a local sort of club with our own personal goals. So I, I totally get what you're saying there with, with the team kind of ethic, as you mentioned. Really important. Obviously, you guys, you're a professional outfit. You want to help give these uh, the team of athletes you're working with the ability and the platform to really do well and excel aside from the obvious core of, of training the running what are the elements what are the areas of, of of the the big picture are really important for you as a team to work on be that the physiology be that the nutrition that we briefly touched on the psychology is there one area that really stands out as the, the where you're going to get the biggest return for for kind of the time invested the biggest
0: return for a runner it's always probably going to be running, running in sleep. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Uh, Aside from the running, <laughs> the, uh, yeah. So it was really good on the camp. Uh, we had a uh, uh, Dr. Jamie Pugh of Liverpool John Moores Uni, who's a physiologist. And his 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 wife Sarah Jane were out there helping out in that regard. Um, we had Dr. Jane Stevens, who's one of our uh, psychological coaches, and, and me just doing like a jack of all trades um trying to help in a whole variety of um uh, different areas and we and we looked at there were so many bits we looked at over the camp so like one of it we had an evening where we looked at uh, running in the heat and cooling techniques and like pre-cooling and cooling during races and how we can kind of like if you're racing in the heat that's a huge huge area that you can improve on it and kind of especially in a championship race if you're racing for a PB it's very hard because you just have to slow down in that heat. But if you're racing in a championship race, like in, in Berlin for the 100k or, or Verona for the European 24 hours, being on top of the, of the conditions can have a real impact on, on the position you finish up on later in the day. Um, other areas, yeah, we did a whole a whole night talking around the psychology, but every little kind of evening talk we did, in morning and kind of like that, kind of almost that informal chatter the whole way through the, the 10 days we were out there, um, then kind of played into each session. We were saying, okay, what what, like, coping techniques a really good one we all, we all have coping techniques to get through harder sessions and harder miles at the end of races and what we did is we discussed it in a formal setting and then we made sure that as the as the week uh, moved on um, the athletes were then discussing it amongst themselves they were talking about oh, well i use this technique well why don't you try this for these intervals or on this long run tomorrow why don't you try uh, this, this different technique so I think th- there's no there's no one big area that the athletes are going to suddenly take a massive jump in performance from um, they're all very good athletes that come into this team. They're all kind of at or, or, or uh, around an international level. What we're trying to do is help them kind of make make sure that they're getting everything they can out of their training. A few extra benefits, but also like just thinking about what they're already doing and why it works. Because being conscious of of the the kind of positive behaviours you have that impact your running can be a really good way to to, to improve them. Because like the, the the coping techniques we use in the races our, our techniques are techniques, they're skills. They can be worked on. Our nutrition, right, it can be worked on. It can be improved. Um, Like all that kind of, everything we do in a running environment, there's only so much running you can do. So we'll help with that. We'll help with the recovery. We'll help with nutrition. But um, if they can, if the athletes that we've got can start working on the the skills they already have and improving them, then uh, I think it's, yeah, it can bring, bring some benefits to them as well.
1: You mentioned pre-cooling or running in the heat. I mean, that's a hot topic at the moment, quite literally, you know, over here in the UK as well. We're, we're just entering another mini heatwave, apparently, which looks like it's going to last a little bit longer than the, the previous one. So, it's you know, people are quite concerned about this. Running in the heat, they're not always the necessarily conditioned to it. And, you know, obviously, we know safety is really, really important. You mentioned pre-cooling. Are there any sort of, techniques or tips that you can share that other people may benefit from that you you applied with the guys over in italy
0: yeah so i mean in terms of pre-cooling in terms of the heat right the first thing to consider is you just got to go a bit slower um, the main thing, okay, you've got that big ball of fire in the sky, the sun, um, all those the reactions going out there making us hotter. But also the other thing is that is you individually. The harder you run, the more heat you produce, the less you can dissipate if it's hot around you. So the first thing you have to impact is, you, is your own effort. Um, if you're running for a PB in the month of August, right, I'm racing on Saturday uh, and I'd like to run well and I'm going to have to adapt my uh, uh, race, my racing strategy because of how hot it's going to be. Um, pre-cooling is, is, is simple it is it's, it's cooling your body down before you start the race they reckon it can impact maybe the first 25 to 30 minutes of, of a race like I'm, I'm racing for 24 hours so that kind of feels like a little bit like throwing a deck chair off the Titanic it's not going to make a big difference but it's 25-30 minutes have been a bit cooler so you can get like ice vests that I bought a cheaper ice vest online I'm going to fill it with ice and I'm going to sit there people sitting quite like immerse themselves in cold water it can also help or they ingest uh, i think it's ice slurry or a slush puppy if you're that way, or granite if you're uh, italian um so it is yeah like kind of having ice or multiple calippos if you're from the uk um these things will all kind of
1: <laughs> you have got a sweet yeah, tooth haven't you
0: um and that like cools down your core and it's just like bringing that core temperature down a little bit so then as you kind of go through the race and go through the motions. It's got a little bit more room to, to go up until you um, implode. Uh, so if you're racing 5k, 10k half marathon, it could be really quite effective even over the marathon, 25 to 30 minutes before you reach that, the temperature you were beforehand. Or just making sure that you're not overheating before you start can be really useful. So yeah, that's, that's one of the methods that if you were racing in this environment, if you are like just training or doing sessions, I would massively advise just looking at the time of day you're training, um, utilizing as much shade as you can. And, uh, and, yeah, just adapting that effort. Like, it, it, it might be even as much as 15 to 20 seconds a mile, um, say you would do a marathon pace, that you would adapt for this temp- the, the heat. And uh, you could look online, there's some good, uh, not exact, but good kind of um, graphs that show, like, how you, the temperature and the humidity can impact uh, your running in certain conditions. But if this weekend it's looking at, I don't know, 30+, 30 31, 32 but like if I was going out to do a session at marathon pace, I'd be adding 15, 20 seconds a mile on per per uh, per effort, and I'd maybe be increasing my recovery a little bit, and, and, and not being afraid to. I did feel like I was overheating to sit in the shade and extend that kind of recovery between reps a little bit just to let the core temperature drop down again. So, so, some great stuff there, really easy to apply as well. I would expect nothing less from
1: uh, the author of 1001 Running Tips, just awesome stuff. And dissipate heat, picking up on what you mentioned there, I really like that. And I think for people listening, definitely something to have on your mind. You know, that's really going to help you. How good are you at dissipating heat? Because when you start to build that core body temperature, it's going to have an impact on your performance. You know, mentioning things like adapting strategy, your racing in the heat as well you're having to adapt your strategy based on that manage expectations as well really important pre-call with these ice vests or you can get a fridge full of uh, freezer full of calippos if you like robbie and you really enjoy uh, you've got a sweet tooth increasing your recovery as well massively important all these things staying safe so key you know you mentioned time of day as well obviously we're here don't we avoid whether you run or you don't run avoid the hottest part of the day of course but for you guys when you're doing like 24 hours stuff Is it beneficial for you to run, not just in terms of the temperature, the different temperature across the day, but is it beneficial for you to get used to running at different times of day? Do you know what I mean? Because you're going to be out there doing it anyway. Or does it not really matter? Is it a psychological thing?
0: I I guess I could get up at three in the morning um, and just go for a run, but then I would lose. It's just balancing things out, right? If you think you're going to struggle overnight, then do a night run, right? See what it's like. Practice, kind of practice your nutrition, practice kind of getting through the, the lower moments. If you know you've done it, like, I mean, at this stage, I must have raced, I don't know, 50 different nights over my running career. And before that, plenty of all-nighters that were going on in different different spheres of my life. <laughs> um, it was never a, like, yeah. So I guess it's, it's kind of balancing out the, the cost of that. Because a lost night of sleep and the busiest part of your training can have a huge impact on your recovery. So if you, if it's an area you're really worried about, then put it in. Put it in far enough away from your goal race that you can actually recover in time. It was, like even we had the, the athletes on the camp, right, they had certain sessions we did. Um, Rob Sinclair, who's training for Trophy Okeema, he wanted to, to do like a really big kind of uh, 2000 meter climb, because that's what he's got in his race. That's a big old workout. And we had to like make sure you fitted it in around the rest of it, and and kind of not actually. Okay, well, this is a big workout. You're gonna to have to put that in there. Is it gonna take away from the rest of the week? Um, and it's the same with anything else. Like if you're training for a 24 hour race, and if you're if you've got a long run and you can do it at the same start time as as your race. Like I did a, a six hour training run. It's my longest run uh, in the build up for this 24 hour race. I started it at 10. Um, I started it at 10 a.m. because and on a day that was going to go 32, 33 degrees because I was. Preparing for the worst and hoping for better turns out that's going to be exactly the conditions I'll be racing in. Um, and I went through that first six hours of the race, if it was the first six hours of my race. Hopefully when it gets to actual race day, I'll be tapered. It'll feel different. It's not going to be exactly the same. Um, but yeah, like the, the, the psychological part of it, if you're worried about the night, then practice for the night. If you're worried about the early morning, then get up and train in the early morning. Um, I actually... So there's also, if you're looking be wary of this kind of advice because it's you coming into a heat wave that's not the right time to try and adapt to the heat you want to do it beforehand um, but like because I'm, I'm a, I kind of I adapted before we went to altitude the altitude was actually a little cooler than we would thought it was only like 21, 22 degrees it was positively chilly and as, uh, coming back to the heat I wanted to make sure that I, I built back up my adaptation that the body kind of has in the heat so I went out in the middle of the day to do my last few runs um, and it's been reasonably warm so again, like you can think about the time of day in, in different ways. It, it could be an opportunity if you are looking to build up your, your tolerance to the heat. And it's, it can, you get most of the gains of that in three to four days of, of running in the heat. Um, but it can be a couple of weeks until you're fully kind of acclimated to the heat. You can go out and pick the time of day you go out to make sure that your body's kind of getting that stress. But again, make sure you're hydrating well. Keep on top of your electrolytes. And don't go and do too much too soon. Don't go and do a three-hour run in, in the middle of the day when you haven't done any kind of... Running beforehand because it will knock you for six.
1: I like that. Some of the stuff there about with the timing of runs and and going out and. If you know that it's an area you want to particularly work on, it might not. It might not be for the physical benefit. It actually might be for the psychological. So you mentioned Rob Sinclair wanted to go and climb X amount of feet uh, meters of uh, you know elevation because that's what he has in his upcoming event. So it's probably going to make him feel good. But what you're saying there is, well, just need to be a little bit mindful of what what what's the cost of doing that. Okay, there's a massive psychological benefit, great, and and that's valuable. But is it going to impact you your sessions before or after? How do we build that into the the, the bigger picture? And I think people and perhaps learn from this as well, Robbie. that uh, training for relatively shorter distance compared to you guys, you know, marathons and, and half marathons. Marathons are classic one because most people won't run the full distance right in training, but they might fear that, oh, am I going to be able to do it on the day? And if I go and run it before the day, maybe it's their first marathon, it'll give them confidence. Yes, it will, I'm sure, but actually it'll probably have a real negative impact on the rest of your training. That's if you come away unscathed and you're not injured, you know, miss the marathon in general. So look at the, the cost of doing these things in putting these things into your training, that that will help you psychologically, but is, does it fit? Does it work? Is it a safe thing to do?
0: I guess as well, sort of like as ultra runners, you said like a marathon, it won't run like won't run the full distance. But ultra runners not going to. Um, at some point in your training, you've got to take a leap of faith and kind of be, take confidence in your training, whether it's set by yourself, set by a coach. Like if you you haven't got confidence in your training and it's enough, like you should look at that training and say, how can I build my confidence in it? Maybe you look back, sit down, and kind of go look, this next exception is going to be the longest one I've ever done. And one, look back, look back further than this particular training block, right? Because you've, you've always gone longer. If it's your first marathon, then yeah, look back at the training and say, okay, what have I done beforehand? What, what How many half marathons have I done before I've done this half marathon? Like, before this first marathon? How many long runs have I done? How do I feel in those long runs? Have I finished those long runs feeling strong? Um, how much training have I done? Like, draw confidence from... From your uh, for your own experience before kind of worrying too much about like, well, it's I've got, how am I going to do with those last six miles? Because most of us, when we get to that kind of that point, one, if you pace well, feel well, and uh, kind of like keep a smile on your face, like you, you can get through and it's not as bad as you think it'd be. If you pace badly, if you don't feel well, but you get to that final six miles and it's your first ever marathon, well, you'll find a way to get to the finish because it matters because it's your first. So it's kind of take confidence in that things that like, I don't think I've ever... When I was starting out an ultra but also marathons, so I was on a start line, I think of um, as the Grand Union Canal race, like 10 years ago now. which is 145 miles from Birmingham to London. And someone there was like, oh, good, yeah, a wonderful, a wonderful finish. I was like, what do you mean? He says, well, I don't know if I'm going to finish this race. And I said, I wouldn't be on the start line if I was 100% certain that I could, I could finish. Like, yeah, there might be some things that happen that stop me, but I, I, I think I can. I'm pretty sure I can and uh and that's the same with a marathon right you get look at that start line you've done the training you've you've practiced with your fueling you kind of you've got the the kit right you're in your club vest or you kind of your new kind of fancy running cap and uh and you know you can do it and if you don't know you can do it one you've got to look at that training but two maybe it's maybe it's just time to keep like keep building up leap of faith that you mentioned there. i think that's
1: absolutely spot on it it is a leap of faith isn't it and 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 it's worth having that in mind so that you don't push too much and try and take too much out of the body in training whatever you're training for particularly the long stuff marathons and beyond really because like we say you're probably not going to do the full distance and if it's your first marathon you you naturally need to take a leap of faith so if so let's say you guys let's say you're training for 100k right um how far would you run as your longest run typically what what where would that sit
0: so it varies athlete to athlete depends on the experience of, of the athlete um, how they kind of how they normally react to, to bigger longer runs how they fuel those longer runs as well and pace them because if you've got someone who paces quite hard in the start you're not going to, to get them to do too many long runs in training because the, the, the damage will be even bigger um, and in general it will be done in time uh, so I would have someone probably do four maybe five hours of running uh, so that the intensity is lower uh, so the distance isn't quite as big, um, but yeah, again, it depends. If you've got a runner trying to do a six and a half hour hundred k, them doing a five hour run, they, they're going a long way. Um, if you've got someone who's doing eight eight and a half hours, them doing a five hour run, totally different. So it, it does really vary. I I remember I think I was looking at oh, who is it? One of the la- young lads um, who's training for the hundred k, not someone I coach. One of the Scottish lads. I can't remember his name now um he did really well at the a c p he was second um i want to say richardson i can 't remember his first name now oh that's really bad i'll check it in a second um but he he did a sixty five k training run uh and it and that was is his longest one um some of the people i coach are doing fifty sixty k for in the build up uh it it really does depend Ollie Garrett, he's got a couple of different he's done a, f- a few longer runs um but like with any kind of training block it's you you're picking up on your previous experience as well as that so it's not just people look at that what's the longest run in that 10 to 12 week block but actually the longest run that anyone doing uh training for the for the world 100ks this year has done is probably the acp 100k back in march like they've built up to that they've done 100k in training in a race environment there it's as specific as you can get to what they're going to do um in august at the end of august so yeah like in your actual training block uh, whatever you can comfortably recover from in time for the race so it might be 50, it might be 60, 65,
1: okay. I guess as you're describing there, you know, it is different for different people, but you guys still need to take to a degree that leap of faith that you mentioned earlier because you're probably not going to be doing the full 100K in training. Rob Sinclair might want to do that and just smash out some hills and things. But in reality, you're probably not going to do that. And obviously it depends how long you're looking at taking for the, for the event, six and a half hours. Then you just kind of work out how long that should be in terms of your longest run, in terms of hours and stuff. But it goes back to that marathon thing. You know, just having that trust in the training and that consistency and everything coming together on the day is really important. I love what you said about your race—the 145 miler, was it? Where you, you know the guy saying to you, "Well, uh, do you, you know, what if we what if we can't finish? Do you think we'll finish? Do you think we'll finish?" You go, "Well, yeah. I mean, that's why I'm here. That's you know, that's it's that leap of faith. I've done the training."
0: Yeah, I'm on a I'm on a start line because I think I've got a chance of finishing. Um, it's it's odd because this weekend I'm like, into the first 24 hour race in quite a few years and. An injury that's kind of been there for the last five or six years, it's something that I'm not as certain as I might normally be getting up to the start line. And I'm taking more of a leaf, leap of faith than usual, but sometimes you just got to... Like, the only way to find out if your body can handle 24 hours of running is to run for the 24 hours. Um, the weird thing about some of the trail running, so like Sir Robin and Kirsten Welch, she's, uh, our other trail running, hour seven, um, is that you can spend that time on feet in the hills. You might necessarily do the distance, but it's a really weird one. Like you can spend a long day out in the hills and be six, seven hours, and you're training for a four-hour race. But you're out and you're stopping at refuges. You kind of you're taking it a lot easier. And you're with your race pace, and the, the hill running does provide that. The kind of the impact can be a lot less. And my wife Natalie, she's training for the Tour de France. She's not going to go and do 330 kilometers in, in one training run, but she's doing some big, some big days, some big weekends, and uh, and like uh, out with friends and kind of just really enjoying that experience going out. But she's going probably longer than any training run that, that someone might do for a shorter race but actually she would still be doing those bigger days if she was training for something shorter because they are really it's almost like the the cyclist doing like his long zone one training days um you can do that in the hills because the impact's a little bit less than doing that like i did a six hour training run and i cover 49 miles which is just a long bloody way so like you can't it's it's six hours right so it's, yeah it's only six hours so that's not that's not huge for you doing a twenty four hour but The distance is is massive. And I do six hours in the hills. The impact's a lot less um, because you just kind of, uphill takes that out of you, you're more relaxed. You kind of, it's just not that kind of constant perpetual movement. Whereas, yeah, when you are doing track racing or road running, I think it does have a, even just a two hour, two and a half hour like road run can have quite a hard impact on the body compared to the equivalent time out in the hills yeah i get that robbie and, and picking up on your training how are things with you at the moment did
1: did you get a new pb in a half marathon did i see is that right was that this year i
0: got a half yeah i got a couple half pbs i ran 69 31 for the half and then i went and did the anglo celtic plate 50k and ran 257 for 50k um so, so we're, wow amazing with the marathon i'm thinking about 220 high 226 which would have been a pb um but yeah i was training for Milan Marathon, and at the last minute, because my mum was coming over, a partner, um, and her partner got sick, so I was able to swap and try and get in the the. the it was a trial for the European fifty k champs um, for the British team, so I, I went over to Perth and and uh, I ran that. Unfortunately, I didn't make the team. I won the trial and I ran the the, the standard, but I, for whatever reasons, I didn't get selected. They picked runners from Manchester Marathon instead. Um, but yeah, I, I gave it my best shot, and uh, yeah come away with pp so it wasn't too bad
1: with the marathon is that a distance that particularly interests you or is it more about qualifying for other events is that i mean does it inspire you to be running a fast road marathon i think it's a
0: useful tool for an ultra running to kind of focus on that kind of it's almost top end speed for us um I, I love racing right so 5k half marathon stuff like that you can chuck in into quite a lot of them um tsh- uh, I've got my 229. I, so I did a block looking at Valencia around 229 before the carbon shoes. So like I've got, I'm quite happy with me 229 non carbon plate shoe PB. Um, and then, yeah, now I'm looking at, okay, what can I run in the new shoes? I think on a perfect day early in the spring, maybe I was in shape to run like 223, 224, which is nice, but it, it, it's not going to, it's not going to leave me up at night. Like, dreaming about it and stuff like i'd love to run under 221 day it would require a decent couple of years worth of dedicated work towards it um i think i'm not underestimating how hard that would be uh, i'm not getting any younger i'm 35 now but again you've got the peak likes of steve way showing that plenty of time to keep improving um but in the end of the day yeah it would always always be as kind of an underlying um, area to improve my ultra running because that's where my my heart really lies like there's I do lay awake at night, dreaming about running a long distance over twenty-four hours. Which is, I did that last night. Couldn't sleep. i like just dreaming about. I actually had a dream the other week. Get you like this, Jay. I had a dream the other week, and I, I won the Spartathlon, which is this hundred and fifty-three mile race in Greece. I literally kind of dreamt the whole race, went through all the emotions of kind of getting to the finish, cross the finish line, and then I had a little sleep in my dream, and then I went to the presentation the next day, and I it it literally felt like I, I'd. I said to my mate, I was running a chat called Paul T the next day, I said, Paul, I don't need to do the race now. I know what it feels like. I've had all the emotions of winning it. It was brilliant. <laughs> it was like, I, I don't even have to run that stupid distance. Um, but yeah, and I, so that's what I, I literally dream about this stuff. So yeah, I, I love the marathon running. I really enjoy the challenge and, and the training of marathon training is really quite enjoyable. But when it comes to racing, my heart is very much on going as far as possible and eating as many sweets as possible on the way. Incredible. I think you blew my mind when you said, I had a little sleep
1: in my dream I mean how, I, that just I can't get my head around that I'm sorry that's just I, who knows you must be proper rested I mean that must have been a great training session the following day you went to sleep and had a sleep in your dream that's pretty impressive man that's, that's a great recovery I, technique. I think
0: like from a psychological point of view I took a lot of I took a boost from it because I was thinking subconsciously if my subconscious thinks I'm that fit <laughs> then it, like any doubts in like my kind of in the forefront of my mind well hold on a second because the next I think one or two nights later I, I won a another race in my dreams and a 24 it wasn't quite a, a demand like a a domineering performance in that second dream which was a little bit disappointing but hey you can. Uh, it's a dream right So, um, but like, there was two races in like three or four days in my dreams that I was winning and I was like you know what I think my mind's in a good spot love
1: it look if you don't believe in yourself nobody else is going to you've got to believe in yourself very important even if that means having one of these impressive dreams where you're winning some crazy events love it listen it's always awesome catching up with you Robbie I really appreciate it What's what's next for the guys and obviously you had this training camp are they all working towards big events this year later this year is that the target
0: Yes, Rob Sinclair's doing Trophy Kima, Kirsten Welch is doing the trial for the Thailand Trial World Champs. You've got um, Sam Amen, Joe Murphy and Oli Garrard uh, looking at the uh, racing in Berlin for the 100k um, World Champs. And then Damien Carr is uh, looking at the, the European 24-hour Championships in Verona in September. So they've all got really big goals they're working towards. Um, I, 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 they're all super fit and, and strong, and um, yeah, I, I'm really really excited to see how they, how they all go as this summer goes on.
1: I I'm, can't wait to uh, catch up with everybody and see how
0: it's going to go as well. Should probably add that Mike Stocks, our um, the, the team founder, he's training for a 48 hour race as well. So we're kind of getting we're stretching out what we're covering. He's got a 48 hour in a uh, in September. We should well, have a chat to him about that. He's like player
1: founder. This is yeah. a, a crazy team that you've got going on. I love it. You mentioned Damo Carr there. Uh, I, we like to class him as a friend of the show as well. We've had him on before. Obviously, got a big event himself. Just do me a favor, Robbie. Make sure that he turns up on the right day, gets the right place, and that stuff. Because we look, we know what Damo's like. If you missed that episode, you must go back and check it out. We'll link it in the show notes page. I can't remember the episode number, uh, but it was great to catch up with Damo. I've
0: already told someone else who's meeting him at Gatwick for the, the travel to the Verona that they have to make sure. As soon as you find Damo, you keep Damo and you get him on. That. Plane, so that we are fully aware <laughs> of uh, Demo's strengths and Demo's um, areas for improvement. <laughs> yes, I like that. Didn't use the work
2: weaknesses, didn't do that.
1: Robbie, great to catch up with you. Good luck with uh, all the great work that you're doing with Hour 7, obviously with your training as well. Your wife, Nat, good luck to her and her event. If you want to catch up with the guys, the athletes, what they're up to, the team, Hour 7, will link the website in the show notes page. They're always posting various stuff on their social channels and great videos of training camps, so go and check that out. And, of course, if you want to keep up with our man Robbie here, it's Ultra Britain on Instagram. Again, we'll link that in the show notes page. Robbie, nice to see that you stopped sweating. You're looking fresh, looking good. Have a good day, man. I will try my best. You too. Running with Jake, the podcast Always great to catch up with Robbie. Love him. What a guy. Top guy. And
2: neither of us were Marty. We weren't Marty. It was good. No, we weren't Marty. Happy we with were that. fine. Happy with that. I think we were quite grown up about it. Actually, yeah, we were yeah, fine yeah. about it.
1: We shared yeah. uh, sweat stories, that kind of thing. You know, bonded. It was good. <laughs> Take our relationship to to the next level. Really like that. It's funny, you know, I was thinking the other day, actually, on a run at the weekend. You know, we often talk about comparison as a thief of joy. Mm. And I do think there's some truth in that, definitely. Uh, I really do. And it made me think, like, you know, when we have guests on the show and stuff, it's very easy. You know, we speak to some great people, don't we? And uh, top runners and athletes and experts and things. And it's very easy for me as a runner to compare myself and then sort of take the love out of running for me because, you know... The comparison is stealing my joy. But actually, I think it's really important. Two things here is choose who you compare yourself with carefully. And then importantly, I think this is really significant, actually. What do you do with that information? So once you've made that comparison, is it are you using it to inspire you? Is it motivating you? Is it encouraging you to get out the door? Is it making you want to be a better person all around? Well, that's amazing, isn't it? If you're using it as a stick to beat yourself up, then that's not such a great thing. So, yeah, that's where I sit with that at the moment
2: that's where i sit it is really easy to see things and see people doing really well in your field and you go and you do i think i think a lot of people's natural reaction is to hit themselves with a stick um but i think you probably just have to be a little bit more mindful about it and go actually you know look where you are look where you've come from
1: dead important and i think that awareness and being mindful of it as you say is absolutely key not so easy but just something to work on for sure talking of running tips and thoughts it's time to take another one of your questions it is indeed hashtag ask jake today's question comes from kerry who has recently injured her calf and she's been advised by a physio to do a little bit more cross training she fancies a bit of cycling and swimming and she wants to know if i've got any tips that can help her return to running uh yeah love a bit of cross training kerry definitely very very useful particularly when injured cycling and swimming are great options as well the only thing i would pick up on is when you mentioned calf uh a calf issue. I think it's important, I say this to a lot of my guys, if they get injured, if you're doing cycling, not to stand up on the bike itself. Try and avoid that, especially in the early stages, because when you're stood up on the bike, you're going to put a little bit more force through the calves as well, get them to work that a little bit harder. Uh, and just make sure that you work on keeping in a pretty uh, low gear and you keep your cadence quite high, which basically means you want to be pedaling quite fast, but you don't want huge amounts of resistance there, which again may aggravate the calf further. Uh, and with swimming, love swimming, It's great. It's non-weight-bearing, really good for you. Just make sure that you don't kick off the wall too hard because, again, that's going to activate the calf quite a lot. So make sure that when you do turn around, if you're doing some indoor swimming in the pool, just make sure that you don't push too hard off the wall looking after yourself good luck safe return to running if you've got a question then it's hashtag ask jake or you can drop us an email at podcast at running that is it for today's episode of running with jake the podcast your weekly dose of running motivation i hope you've enjoyed today's show and got lots of tips and tricks from the show feeling fired up ready for your running cross training just overall active lifestyle that's what we like on this show love it gotta keep Moving. If you do get a moment, make sure to subscribe, follow all that sort of stuff uh, to our show using the app that you listen to your podcast on. Uh, And if you do get chance, obviously would love a little review. I know it's a little hard; it's a big thing to ask. It feels like a big thing to ask in 2022. None of us have any spare time. But if you do find yourself with a little bit, then uh, a bit of a rating and review would be really appreciated. But above all, stay safe. Have a great week, and we'll be back next week. Oh. And one more thing. Don't tell people your plan, show them your result.